Classics 3-2 again. There's a swing and a hot fly ball right side. So I think it's fair to say this might be our most complicated recording yet, which is funny because it probably covers the least amount of time. We have a total of four guests on today, which is something new for this episode, including three guests who you have already met in past episodes. Yeah, we brought on the Avengers because this is, you know, the big, the big one, so to speak. But we do have to have a big elephant in the room discussion probably right now because we're about to get into some pretty lofty territory with records. So the S word with Barry Bonds is is steroids. He's kind of the face of that scandal, kind of the face of anything to do with performance enhancing drugs in baseball, just because he's the most significant, probably the most well-known player, except possibly Alex Rodriguez. We can have that debate separately. But I guess we have to kind of talk steroids at large for a little bit before we go any further, because that kind of shapes the rest of the Barry Bonds discussion for everything, every detail you could possibly have left. And specifically about steroids, it's more so approaching it from the angle of, are these statistics quote-unquote valid? And I'm not sure I like that word that much, which we will get into a deep discussion about. But something that I'm excited about is you and I are approaching this from kind of two different perspectives. So you have had years of knowing all of this, all of these events and knowing about Barry Bonds, and you've had time to kind of sift through your opinions, and you really understand the fans' perspective. Whereas I'm approaching this with a fresh set of eyes. Again, I'm a broken record at this point. This project was my first exposure to Barry Bonds in this entire era of baseball, one of the most notable eras of baseball that I was completely unbeknownst to before this. And I'm approaching this from a more um, statistically minded mindset. And I'll get into my background before we head there. Uh, But I'm excited to see how our two perspectives contrast. And I'm looking forward to discuss that as well as the end of the career of one of baseball's greatest icons. Well, listen, you you mentioned the word era. It's called the steroid era for a reason. And it's because guys like Barry, we talked about the eye-popping numbers, McGuire and Sosa too. These guys were taking the pages out of the out of the record book and ripping them up by hand with a lot of this stuff. And obviously, we're going to get into the biggest record in all of baseball that Barry Bonds holds. If you didn't know what it is coming in, don't worry. We'll get there. We'll tell you. Uh, but even back then, he broke a very big record in 2007. And almost right off rip, they were like, oh, is this legitimate? So if they were having this discussion then, and we still haven't really had our answer 16 years later, I kind of think we should have a, um, like a mini discussion of that ourselves before, because like that's what we're here for, is to converse about all things Barry Bonds, and this is the center of the issue right here with everything. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of tie it in, Back to the timeline, picking up where we left off in episode three. Uh, we're starting off with 2005, but something we, that we failed to talk about last episode was that in 2003, the first public linkings between Barry Bonds and the steroid issue were made. So at this point in 2005, uh, the public still doesn't know that Barry Bonds did actually take steroids, but of course the rumors are flying and they're kind of the shadow that Barry can't seem to escape. So during these last three years, including that chase to uh, one of baseball's craziest records that have ever been broken in terms of the chase leading up to it and the popularity surrounding it. Uh, It was a big shadow that was looming over Barry Bonds throughout its entirety. And I think we should start with the discussion of our statistics or just statistics in general with regard to players that have taken performance enhancing drugs and how we interpret them, how we use them. And um, that'll tie into a discussion we have next episode about the Hall of Fame case for Barry Bonds. So do you want to provide your thesis or your thoughts to the topic at large first? Sure. Uh, you phrased it as a question, which was how do you view it with statistics? Can I kind of answer your question with a question? Sure. Are you willing to set a before and after rule? Before and after steroids? I'm saying even... Okay, look, this is going to get into my main point, is pre two thousand five to seven-ish, when we were going in Congress to talk about all this stuff, it wasn't mm-hmm. really enforced. And no one, and like Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. So sure, it was against the rules, but it's almost similar to like the, the tax situation where MLB just kind of let it happen. And I think it's kind of sort of moving the goalposts on guys to kick them out of the Hall of Fame. That's something that's not, that wasn't really getting them punished at the time. 
it's like setting a retroactive standard and it wasn't something like like something obvious like morality like omar Vizquel is not going to be in the hall of fame because he basically violated a child with disabilities i'm gonna i clean that up as much as i could uh that's a strictly moral issue that's been considered bad since the beginning of time things with performance enhancing drugs i mean the enablers in the hall of fame bud selig and a lot of these guys bonds is the king of it of he didn't even need it he had a great career beforehand and he's easily the most complicated but i guess my answer is in an era where it was clearly defined to be wrong I agree with you. I think someone like Robinson Cano and Ryan Braun are totally off the Hall of Fame case entirely. Whereas because I think Barry Bonds, Gary Sheffield's another big one. I've heard Sosa even has some flimsy connections to steroids that it's only like this. It's the same evidence that's against David Ortiz. Uh, so if we're going to kind of view that standard, put yourself in the headspace of the time where wasn't, I know this is going on forever, but I think you're, you're picking up what I'm no. putting down here. Hmm. So I don't disagree, and this might come as a surprise to you, with a single thing that you said. I actually agree in full. Everything that I'm going to talk about from here on is simply from a statistician's mindset. I'm talking about the, you know, how you compare across eras. Um, should there be an asterisk next to Barry Bonds' career statistics? That kind of stuff. I'm not touching on the morality side of things. We might talk a little bit about the moral argument. With, as far as his Hall of Fame candidacy in the next episode. But as far as this episode is concerned, I kind of just want to present the statisticians, data analysts mindset as to how we should approach using these kinds of statistics. And if that's okay with you, I'd like to present my thesis. Go for it. Regarding that. So I have some notes here and I just want to, I just want to pull this up. I would like to start by saying, and it might be best if you can interject now if you want, because I might have some hot takes. I don't know if they're necessarily hot takes, but they might be. Um, Barry Bonds does not come close. He might come close, but he does not reach Hank Aaron's home run total without the use of steroids. And I'm going to set the stage by telling you this. I believe there are two foundational principles for statistics in this context, as far as steroids and baseball and making use of these uh, kinds of stats. I think statistics are used for, well, first, I want to start by saying my mindset is spectate, don't evaluate. The spectate side of that is statistics are used to quantify a player's performance, right? So that's essentially what this entire series has been. Quantifying a player's performance, that's essentially what this series has been. Wow, Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs in 2001. Wow, Barry Bonds had a 263 OPS+. Plus. They're just meant for fans to be in awe of the performance on the field, right? And the second part is player evaluation. So that's assessing a player's natural-born talents, which I don't think necessarily equals performance on the field, um, their potential. And then the most important part is comparison. So comparing them... Uh, with their peers, with players around the league, with players across baseball history. So just for some background, I never like to talk about myself publicly, and I always just feel like people are going to think I'm trying to like hype myself up or anything. That's not the case at all. Just to give people context, I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in applied statistics. Uh, I just finished up my professional certification in data analytics. That does not make me smart. That does not make me smarter than anybody. It's just the mindset that I have going into any problem, especially, you know, in dealing with numbers and dealing with stats. Um, so Barry Bonds, the self or the quote unquote home run king, using illegal substances has a direct impact on his ability to hit home runs. That's just a fact. And also it has an indirect ability to increases on base percentage. Barry Bonds is not walking 232 times in a single season if he doesn't hit 73 home runs in 2001. I, I, th I don't think that's controversial. That's just my opinion. You, you can feel free to interject at any point. Um, you can't go and compare Barry Bonds to Hank Aaron when Barry Bonds is not reaching him without the use of illegal substances. And it's not the issue of it being illegal. It's just the comparison part. If I was working for a company and I was analyzing two sets of data and there was a ton of information being left out on one. And I was trying to make a comparison between these two. You know, I could lose my company thousands of dollars. And 
it's much easier when we're comparing baseball stats and there's no risk, but the point still stands. It would be almost disingenuine for me to compare Barry Bonds to Hank Aaron without mentioning that additional context. So I think absolutely Barry Bonds' career statistics need an asterisk next to them. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative thing. All that means is that there needs to be additional context when comparing players to Barry Bonds and asking questions about Barry Bonds' career as such. So there was a lot there, and you also might take this as a surprise. I don't disagree Mm -hmm. nearly with pretty much anything you said. Look at us having a good meeting of the minds. I do want to pick a little bit of things out of it because I wanted to forget. I didn't want to forget my place anywhere. I wish I had bookmarks for conversations. Uh, that, was, one, that was very long. I'm sorry. One, please feel free to gas yourself up on this program. You earned that degree. And I'm, I was a former director of analytics at a nationally ranked Division I baseball program. So mm-hmm. I, you are speaking my language to some extent. I mean, I didn't have a degree in it. My degrees were not in statistics, but I had served in that role for baseball for several years for a reputable college program. So there's that. And I understand where you're coming from. Another thing that comes to mind, because you said you can't compare Bonds to Aaron. I think that the implication you're making, but it should be cleared up, is strictly offensively, because Hank Aaron is not a five-tool player. So I think Mm -hmm. if you're going to compare them of like who you'd rather build a team around, you still might take 1986 to 1988 Bonds over Hank Aaron. Oh, 100%. So the only reason this is even the discussion is because he's – the offensive numbers from from last time that are like a cartoon character playing baseball. I think that we have to like be very careful with our words and be sure that we're not taking any of that side away. Cause I think it's unfair to take clean Barry bonds out of that player evaluation discussion. Sure. The game Mm -hmm. changes significantly with what happened after, but that's because the game changed significantly. Uh, And I remember I saw a metric that they estimated. I, if I can't find the exact source, I feel bad, but it was something like they speculated that 15% of the league was juicing at its peak, which is like a few guys per team. So I think that like your sample of like the data is not as skewed as you think it is considering probably two guys in the field and the pitcher possibly are also doing the same substances. So it's somehow cancels out almost, but that's why it's so complicated is there's so much, rampant unpunished usage you almost don't know who's who and where you classify it can i jump in of course you can so it's definitely not a bonds only issue barry bonds is obviously the player the series is about and he's the face of this entire thing not saying that's justified but that's just the way i mean that's why we're here is he's the face of the i mean here here like the steroid discussion yeah you can't have either without the other person but just because 15 percent of the league or however many people it was We're doing it similarly. Again, that's crediting the morality conversation. As far as the statistics conversation, that doesn't negate the fact that you can't use that additional context or you shouldn't use that additional context when comparing bonds, even to players in that era, when you don't fully know who did and who didn't. It's just as important to know that. Barry Bonds, 2001 from 2004, does not happen without steroids. And that you have to consider in your equation when calling him the best player of all time. That's not me saying that Barry Bonds is not the best player of all time, because even before the steroids, he was one of the best players ever. I truly think he could have still been a 30-30 guy had he not taken steroids around age 36, but he's not hitting 73 home runs in 2001. He's probably not hitting an average of 45 home runs a year in the tail end of that four-year period without steroids. So he's still phenomenal, still one of the best players to ever do it. But when calling him the best player of all time, I don't think it's as much of a black and white situation as if we were not including the context of him taking substances that made him as astronomically better than everyone else as he was with steroids, if that makes sense. There's so many thoughts that I have on this. I might be getting disjointed. No, this is I definitely want to keep strangely, throwing them out. This come. is strangely really coherent. This us having almost one-sided connected theses with it. I guess like we kind of have to grab the viewer by the cojones a little bit and say that we are not <laughs> doing the hall of fame part of this yet. That's next time. No. Cause that's the mm-hmm. ultimate yes, no question of does it yeah. really matter? And we're not going to do that for another week. So 
I guess what we're focusing on is the legitimacy of the statistics and you're leaning. It has to be taken differently. I don't really disagree, but I think that it's much more evened out than the average person thinks it is because you don't know how, like we talked about Eric Gagne. Eric Gagne is admitted to being juiced out of his mind when he was there. So there's plenty of other, like I said, if it's assume 15% of each team, that could be like three starters and possibly the pitcher or something, or guy come out of the bullpen to face him, like some roided out lefty coming in to shove against him at the end of the game. So I think that there's a lot more evened playing field of it than anybody thinks. Even 15% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a huge chunk of guys. That's like, that's, let me do some rough math. I'm going to see how many guys 15% of the league is because at that time it's 25. I have my phone out, so give me a sec. 25 Mm, times 30 is 750 guys. 15% is over 100 people in, in Major League Baseball. That means there's like more than four whole teams worth of guys if you were to just put them all together. And that's like such a huge population of the league that you can't even say that it's like, oh, it's just a, a little problem. That's why I don't think that it's as fair to like punish a couple of those guys from before it was enforced. Today, different story. Like I did the Manny Ramirez project and I kind of can't in good faith say Manny Ramirez should be in the Hall of Fame because he tested positive twice in an era where the consequences were like extremely clear. Uh, this is a lot different than that. And that it's, it's the wild, wild West. We talked about there's, it's so open. Like when bonds first showed up to camp in 99 and there's articles that are like, yeah, his teammates just noticed he came in massively bigger and it seemed artificial and there was nothing anybody did about it. So it's a lot of moving the goalposts on these guys for an era where, I don't want to say everyone was doing it, but 15% is a a lot. (laughs) Everything you're saying are exactly the points you would need to cite for the morality argument, 100%. And I think that's stuff that we can tie in more when we talk about should Barry Bonds really be, quote unquote, blacklisted from Hall of Fame candidacy. Um, And we will get there. Of course. Specifically with the stuff you were just mentioning, it of course depends on the sample space of what you're looking at. Of course, within the context of just looking at you know that specific era, it's more of an even playing field, right? Obviously, but when you take a step back and your sample space then includes all 150 plus years, however old baseball is at this point, I'm gonna wipe the dust off of it at this point. However many players across baseball history, they steroids are not touching everything else. So when you take take a step back and you have to look at everything as a whole comparing Barry Bonds in the context of guys like Babe Ruth, you know, and uh, Luke Gehrig, Roger Maris, all these guys, you know, all these historic players, you, you need those statistics because the influence of performance enhancing drugs was exclusive to Bonds' time period. So it re- it's entirely dependent again on the context by which you're trying to make this analysis and um, what kind of claims you're trying to make. All right. But, you ready? You ready for your mind blown? I was just testing it. I'm ready. So sure. it's not like the New York Times or anything, but if you Google, I, I if you Google the phrase "Babe Ruth sheep testicles," it is a strong what? inference and link that he was, you know, pumping himself full of substances in 1920 or whatever. It's not the same as FICO said, "Make me big boy drug oh. drugs" or whatever his phrasing was in the Sammy. I'm State gonna need. I'm going to need like two episodes to, to take in what you just said. I, I did not apologize. Watch video. The craziest I'm still... thing, the craziest thing is what? you can say all these words to a 10 year old. It's not, I didn't, I didn't swear. I didn't say anything wrong. And it's, it's crazy how it's that accessible in 1920. Apparently there's, there's research. I don't know how corroborated it is, but maybe there, the problem it's like, should we discredit pitchers in the dead, in the dead ball era where they're allowed to throw spitballs and I guess your statistics legitimacy argument, do you think that the the stats from before it became 162 games should be taken more seriously then? Like, and this was the fight they had with Roger Maris. They wanted 61 with an asterisk. He had more games in the season. So I guess we could have, be having this legitimacy discussion until the cows come home with every era of baseball. Well, that's kind of the hard part. Like, where do you draw the line? I'm somebody that my statistics-oriented mindset very much causes me more anxiety and more indecision with a lot of things. 
because how much context is enough, right? So I was trying to think preparing for this recording. So of course you try and control for steroids, right? You're never gonna get a perfect comparison between players. Maybe there's some complex system that they develop years from now to develop uh, a, you know, WRC plus or all these normalized statistics on steroids, right? Where you can control for pitchers' moods. You know, if a pitcher is upset one day, maybe he has a harder time uh, making his pitches and he's more likely to give up a home run to a batter, right? I like that you, you say that this is what the pushback I would always get from old school people about how you don't understand how baseball works because like analytics doesn't solve everything. And as someone no. who is a former director of analytics, that is true. People have taken the, taken it way too far <clears throat> and they don't recognize that baseball players are human beings who are succumb to emotions. In Bonds' case, uh, that emotion was probably jealousy. But in a lot of other cases, you could have, you know, a guy going through a divorce and then they have a sh year. One thing that I will say is the impact of steroids, specifically in the Barry Bonds case, is so apparent. So I think you can kind of separate it from some other instances, like obviously the smaller variables, like did was a pitcher in a bad mood? Of course, you hope that over the course of 162 games, and then when you take a step back over the course of multiple seasons, that kind of gets filtered out, that noise. Um, but steroids definitely has a more profound impact on a player's ability, especially Barry Bonds in this case, and players like him, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. And thus, if Barry Bonds doesn't have all these career records, like if he just does what he does from 01 to 04 and then just calls it quits, you don't really need to have this conversation all that much. But because he's the home run king, he has more home runs than anybody, and the things that he did or that he took directly impacts that status, that title, I think it's a necessary thing that we have to, you know, consider. That time, the S word was going a lot, going on a lot in baseball. Uh, do you think that that puts any, any like stain on the stats to you at all? Like, how do you interpret that era and what he was doing? Yeah, I mean, the rub of all this is that he was cheating, right? He was using performance-enhancing drugs that had been banned since 1991, but weren't really tested for until 2003. And I think it basically allowed Barry Bonds to have an old brain and a young body. You know, he had his best seasons from age 36 to 39, which is not normal. And I think one reason that happened is because he had a brain that had already seen tens of thousands of big league pitches, all while maintaining this sort of like physique and this quickness, you know, of a freak athlete in their mid-20s. Of course, he faced pitchers that were doing the same thing. You know, and he was going toe-to-toe with hitters and MVP races that were also doing the same thing. And only one player from that era dominated to dominated the game to that extent, and it was Barry Bonds. That is such an old-school answer from you. I'm really – the the you don't know what you're talking about because you never played crowd is probably so proud of you right now. <laughs> yeah, they're really just patting me on the back right now. Your background is very unique because you double as a baseball content creator and as a competitive power lifter. Those are both sports where steroids can kind of put people in hot water. What would you give like a summary of your own personal feelings on steroid use in sports in general? Well, in powerlifting, I mean, it's definitely uh, the, the federation I compete in now is uh, the USAPL, the United States of Association uh, Powerlifting Association, uh, United States of America Powerlifting Association. And um, now it's it's very heavily drug tested now. But there was a time in powerlifting, you know, early 2000s to or mid 2000s, I would say to, you know, 2010, 2013-ish, where there were, you know, a, a lot of a lot of PEDs being used. But that was kind of the culture. It was kind of where the the sport of powerlifting was, um, and it was starting to gain you know more mainstream attention you know via Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. So at the time, I appreciated the sport for what it was. I didn't really think too much about the PED use because I mean I wasn't doing it, but all of the top guys competing were, and uh, but. They were the guys kind of almost like the pioneers that sort of led the sport to what it is today. So I kind of look at that time in baseball very similar uh, where, you know, a lot of guys eventually were, uh, you know, busted for PED use or their names did pop up on reports. And personally, I just look at it in a way 
where a lot of players were, you know, taking PEDs and a lot of pictures as well. Um, so to me, I kind of just think it, in my own personal opinion, I think it was more, more of a level playing field at the time. So that's just my own personal opinion on it. So Robbie, for your bigger picture, kind of relating to what you were just talking about, are you somebody who, um, believes that records connected to steroid use in some fashion in sports are, um, a little disingenuous? Do you think, what's your stance on uh, certain hall of fame debates bonds, for instance, records wise, I'm kind of just one of those personally, I just look at the era, you know, in which they were competing in. Um, now if those guys were in like today's game, you know, I think that would be a bit of a different argument, mm-hmm. you know, just considering it, the, the game has been cleaned up a lot more. Um, but just at that time, I just think it was a, a lot of guys were doing something. I mean, I totally agree with that. It's the, the era of the game at that time, uh, you know, because there's several players that have been mentioned in the steroid use that uh, happened to be, you know, in discussion on the Mitchell report and on uh, in Congress and whatnot, but also that uh, there there may be some that might be qualifying for the Hall of Fame. You never know. I appreciate your insight there in particular as someone who actually, you know, played through that era. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll ask you the same question I started with Robbie. Sure. Uh, how would you categorize like steroid use in baseball and sports together, like your own personal feelings on it? Uh, you know, well, I think that is an advantage if that's the case. You know, any kind of performance enhancing drug would be an advantage. But, you know, like Robbie had said and many people before, during that particular era in the 90s, early 2000s, things like that was were going on and people knew about it and really did nothing about it at that time. So uh, I don't think uh, one should just be totally banished during that particular time. Of course, they've cleaned it up a lot since then, made the uh, field much more level. And, and I think it's much better for the game now. But still, it was something that was going on for a long time. I'll start with Robbie, but Ellis, I'd love your opinion on this too. Uh, do you think that rampant, you know, performance enhancing drug use that's kind of against league code is ever going to be like having another heyday like it did back then, considering the training substances, supplements, all that stuff that you can just get over the Internet or on the over the counter? Same thing, uh, that breadth of information and resources. Do you think there's ever going to be a need or a revival of that sort of lifestyle and sports culture? I don't think so, personally. Um, I think just now. Major League Baseball, they just went through everything, you know, with that back in, what was, you know, 2004, 2005. Um, I think, you know, they've really come a long way when it comes to, you know, just the drug testing and everything else. Um, I just don't see an era like that coming back. I mean, I think you are going to see everyone's going to try and gain an advantage. Well, not everyone, but, you know, I'll, there will be players that will try to gain an advantage and you're still going to get players that get popped. Um you know, there. I would bet money on it. There are a lot of guys today in today's game that, you know, there there could be a supplement out there. There's there's always a new supplement that is coming out. Um, and there's all and even you know in powerlifting too, there there's different things that guys you know they they try to take you know and and to try and get around the system and you know to not test positive on a test. Um, I mean, you even see it a lot you know, in CrossFit as well. There's a lot of guys where, you know, they know how to pass a drug test. It's kind of one of those things. Um, But I think in Major League Baseball, it's different with them because they just have the the financial might to be able to pay for the the top of the line drug testing and the, the newer types of testing, you know, just being brought in, you know, for different, you know, new drugs and new supplements. I, I don't think there will ever be an error like that again. But I, I think you will still see guys get popped here and there. So because everyone's just trying to get some kind of an advantage at, at some point, I would think. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I don't think uh, there will ever be another time like that. I think that error is gone. You know, the way they test now with different supplements and knowing what's good and what's not good, what's going to test positive, what's not. But, but like Robbie said, uh, every once in a while, you're going to have that one guy that's going to, you know, try to get through the the system some sort of way and he'll get popped. And, and of course, he'll have his 40 to 80 game suspension. If, if it happens again, it's a complete year. But 
um, for the most part, I think that error is gone. Listen, here's the thing. We have been going for more than 20 real-time minutes about this, strictly about statistical legitimacy. I think this is all we can do on that front yeah. of it. I think we have to punt. I could do more, but I think we should punt. I think we have to punt the rest of it to the hall because it's going to start tying into like ethics and a lot of like justification of it. It's going to become that discussion sooner than later. And we have to have that when we talk about bonds in the hall of fame. So this was an exceptional, like productive discussion about it. Take notes, rest of the world, about how to have a discussion. Yes, I will shake your hand. Um, mm -hmm. But see, we have to also come back to this part of it is because he gets to the big record in his final season. We have to talk about 2005 and six, which admittedly will go a lot quicker than this. And then we'll come right back to the biggest record in all of baseball that Barry Bonds does hold. I'll start us with 2005, just as a teaser though, as a toss up, I think of all the things that I have learned and there have been many throughout this project. Some of the stuff I learned about his final season, I think shocked me more than anything. And I really want to, I, I can't wait to talk to you about it. I don't know if you've ever like thought about it like this, but I can't wait to to get there. But maybe I can start us off quick with 2005 because it's it's fairly quick. Unless you want to make a point first. Can I? I want. I do want to make your point really quick. A, a sure. point. But before 2005 starts, uh, he plays 14 games. That like football players play more than that in, in seasons, and that's because he is still a 40 year old man, and even with performance enhancing drugs, the body does slow down for everyone. And he had some severe knee problems that had multiple surgeries. It wasn't even sure he was going to come back. He made his first appearance in September, not April. So this is a year where everything stops. It's not the video game numbers anymore. It's almost like this is the Albert Pujols becomes the best hitter in baseball era, probably from the second he doesn't show up on opening day because of his knee injury. So I think right here, right now, is the official change of the guard in baseball in, the, in this timeline of Barry Bonds is no longer the best player in baseball, which you could have probably had that, like you could have given him that title every year since like 1990. And I think in 2005, that is the first year that that is like definitively over. Barry Bonds had not missed significant time, I don't think, in any of his first no? um, decade plus of major league service time with the exception of of course the player strike in 94 but that's not like time that obviously count. that he missed i know i know i'm just saying that that was the only time that you really never saw barry bonds on a baseball field in august or september you know he was there forever take that back he, was he always... wasn't on the field in april he like i said he made his first appearance in september because of knee yeah, trouble yeah, sorry. so mm -hmm. the stats are like they're not even worth getting into like because are we really going to talk about 14 games well, of, of a guy i am very briefly if that's okay with you Oh, Very briefly. consider me surprised. Please, please go so, on with why just, I should care about 14 games worth of stats. It's just more Barry Bonds stuff. You know how it is. Guess what he does in his first at bat back in September? Uh, does he walk or homer? Okay, yes. He homers in his first at bat back. See, this I wasn't Barry sure. Like, I, it it would have made equal sense if he walked or if he was intentionally walked. That's what I wish it was. Yeah. He was intentionally okay. that, walked in his first at bat. That would have been so funny. With like the that bases empty in the first inning. He's probably hitting third. So if there's two yeah. outs, you're just like, you know what? We're going to put you on. The next guy is probably going to ground out to second base. So, and let's also keep like a, a little timeline, a little stat tracker. He enters 2005 with 703 career home runs. And also one other point I want to make, tying back to a point I made in episode two, just to kind of get ourselves back on the timeline here. Um, Barry Bonds, th with stats through 1997, was ranked the 34th best player in Major League Baseball by the Sporting News. He is now ranked sixth in 2005. So he has made a significant jump, obviously, as you can probably assume, after the 2001 to 2004 period. But uh, back to where we were in 2005, only played 14 games. He had five home runs, which is pretty awesome. Okay, maybe I he do. He picked up right where he left off in 2005. So, um, yeah, that was it. Nothing crazy, but he is now at 708 going into 2006. He is, um, so Ruth had 714, so he's six behind Ruth. Can I give you a trivia question? Because it is relevant to the timeline. Trivia for me? This is yes. new. I'd love to. Let's Who do it. is the last San Francisco Giant to hit 30 home runs in a season? Is it really Barry Bonds? It is Barry Bonds in 2004. 
that's insane. And the Giants, which I'll mention later, have three World Series teams yep. that they constructed in the in the years after. That's insane. The last Giant wow. to hit 30 home runs is 2004 Barry Bonds. So when I said this is a big changing of the guard in the timeline, I really mean it. That's a 57 homer pace, by the way, when he comes back from that knee injury, the five homers in 14 games. Just throwing that out there. Okay, continue. All right, so... 2006. 2006 Here we go. is the first year I kind of paid attention to baseball sort of on my own. I was six years old. And in no way did I understand or appreciate the push to Ruth or let alone Aaron. But like you're going to mention in a second, this is the year he passes Babe Ruth where he gets to second. And he does it with a pretty good year. Uh, even, you know, as the, the fossil that he should be on one knee, he has the league lead in OBP and walks. It was a rough start for Barry. It was his longest home run drought since 1998. He didn't hit a home run until almost May. Remember we were talking about how he hit 28 home runs or 34 in the first half in 2001, essentially a good full season. Mm-hmm. Almost didn't hit a home run throughout all of April. Thankfully in May, he starts to pick back up. He finally catches Babe Ruth. He has his 714th and he is now one player away from the all-time lead for home runs for a career. I touched on not being able to fully appreciate Bonds at this time. I did have MLB the Sixth to show, and I've said in other videos that when I was in first, second grade, I'd get up three hours early before school to play it every day. So I know those rosters like the back of my hand. And the Giants left fielder is a guy named Reggie Stocker, who is supposed to be Barry Bonds. And that's because... Dude, memories just flew back. Wow. See, Sorry, keep going. It is Reg- his name is Reggie Stocker in the game because Bonds had the very unconventional decision to license himself, which the way they get the names for all the video games and all the sports is by licensing deals with the Players Association. Bonds didn't do that. He took it into his own hands. So that's why you have John Dowd, Reggie Stocker, all these other guys, is because Barry Bonds was not eligible to be part of these agreements because he was managing that side of it completely on his own. He wasn't a part of any of this. You know that scene from Ratatouille when no, the never food critic... No, I've never seen Ratatouille. Critic... Stop right there. Okay, well, the fans watching the Ratatouille scene where the critic's eating the food and then he has the memory, that's what just happened to me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm clearly on an island of one over here, so forget about me. He still has a really good year. Let's be clear about that. The Giants are are nothing anymore. They're not anything in 07. They're not anything in 06. They're not even anything in 05. Because think about the guys they get to draft in the first rounds of those years. Their first round picks in 06, 07, and 08 are Lincecum, Bumgarner, Posey. You had to be really good to get mm. those guys. And they did parlay that into you know, several championships, which because I just said the Giants stunk for the rest of his career, it should go without saying that Bonds does not get his ring. He doesn't get his World Series championship trophy. The Giants wait a couple years after, you know, he's gone to do that. And that's because they, you know, reaped the benefits of stinking and actually figured out how to draft and got those guys. So it's back to the same old, same old from a long time ago where he's doing even well past 40. He's having these tremendous seasons that don't go anywhere. In 2005, the Giants are 75 and 87. 2006, the Giants are 76 and 85. 2007, which we'll talk about in a second, the Giants finish at 71 and 91. So the only excitement coming out of San Francisco at this point in time was Barry Bonds. Uh, the only noise that was being made was him, both good and bad, with all the news surrounding his um, home run chase. And of course, the looming cloud, as I mentioned earlier, hanging over his head through it all. Listen, the only excitement, to steal your word, is that chase. And that's where it peaks in 07, is he's pushing to actually breaking it, right? The home run record. He's going to, it's him versus Aaron. And Hank Aaron was very coy and noncommittal about talking about it. He said it was cool, and he was, then he didn't show up, and he didn't want to be there for the games when it was going to be broken. It was a really weird situation. Even at the time, as a seven year old, I did sort of pick up that it was a weird situation because a lot of the discourse was about the legitimacy, but it is, they're having this discourse because it's the greatest record in all baseball.
And this is where we bring in a YouTuber by the name of And That's Baseball, who manages to work Barry Bonds into practically every video to contextualize his you know, home run dominance and has studied the home run record in depth. So this is where we bring him on for picking his brain about that record. You are a YouTuber who manages to work Barry Bonds into practically every video you make, whether it's intentional or not. The big one was the progression of all things home run records that he dominates. Of course, it's the record for most home runs ever. But after your research, how just how impressive would you say all that was for him? Well, the home run record is one of those things where it's like, this is this is the record, right? This is the single greatest. This is Babe Ruth had it, and then Henry Aaron took it over. That's one of the most iconic moments in baseball history. It stood for, what, like 40, 50 years, and then Bonds shows up in his late 30s, destroying baseball, and then suddenly he's right at the doorstep of it in his, in, into his 40s, and when he does it, it's a huge deal. So it's... Of course, it's massive, and uh, I don't think anyone thought it was breakable uh, until Bonds actually went and did it. So, the fact that he, the fact that he did, just shows how you cannot tell the story of this sport without him. Even though he wasn't fully healthy, he wasn't really go, able to go out there and play the field. He was still able to hit 25, 26 homers and uh, chip away at the record, and then he finally broke it in his last season. Uh, so one person that we actually forgot to mention in our conversation about the home run record was Mike Baxick Jr. And I just wanted to help fill in our audience about that. Jake, do you know um, that crazy fact about Mike Baxick Jr.? And if so, could you share that for our audience? If not, it's okay. I'll, uh, I'll throw it in. I've never heard of this guy. So Mike Baxick Jr. was the guy who gave up 756 to Bonds. His father had faced, um, Mike Baxick Sr. had faced Hank Aaron, when he had 755 home runs, which was pretty cool. I saw someone on Twitter had um, that brought that up too, so I wanted to make sure we got that in there. But Do you believe the home run record should be the thing Bonds is most remembered for? Obviously, the elephant in the room is the steroids, and I don't think any of us believe he would have been as productive in his later career without the steroids to keep his body at top shape. So I don't know if that's, if in terms of, uh, it will be what he's most known for, obviously, because it is the the most important record that he holds, even if it is tainted. But if you want to look at him as a, like, if you look at him purely from a baseball standpoint, the most impressive thing he did outside of the steroids would probably be 500-500 club, because as he's the only guy who's done it still, and... Uh, that was mostly achieved before the steroids. I know, I know he actually joined it while he was uh, on steroids, but I think he probably could have gone there without it, without him. So I think that fact is like, wow, no one – I don't think anyone's ever going to do that again, especially maybe now with how stolen bases are coming back, but I don't think anyone's ever going to have that much power and that green light on the base paths ever again. That's an important point to make because I think the 500-500, like you said, is definitely attainable. Like I could definitely see Bonds going 30-30 um, every year, even until like his mid to late 30s. That's something I could see him doing. So I think that's a good point that you made. Uh, if not the stats for his entire career, do you think any of his career statistics at least should be accompanied by an asterisk? No, I don't think so. And it's mainly because the era he played, so many of those guys were using too. It's not like he was unique. And the league, like, this is my main argument always goes back to Bud Selig knew about this. Everyone knew about this. During 98, they knew about this. They didn't stop it. As Bonds got closer and closer to the record, they knew about it, didn't stop it. And I think one of the worst uh, travesties when it comes to the Hall of Fame, like, I did, a, I did a video about Kurt Schilling and the Hall of Fame, and people got angry at me for stuff like that, stuff I said about that. But I think the, the most egregious Hall of Fame pick ever is the fact that Bud Selig is in while none of the PED guys are in because he he definitely knew about them and he took the stance that it's helping the game, it's helping generate revenue, so we're going to let it slide, we're going to let it go on under our nose, and he was praised for it. And then the players get the short end of the stick. I don't think, and I'll ask you, do you think Barry Bonds gets to 756 without the use of steroids? Because I feel like that's important to... Like include an asterisk for not that it says anything about his character or anything, but just for the sake of like statistical comparison. I don't think he gets there without steroids. But does Henry Aaron get to seven fifty five without greenies? Does 
a lot of the guys who were pitching in the 60s and 70s, they were using stuff that allowed them to pitch 300-plus innings. There's this, There's been usage and cheating going on forever. I think people know. People already understand that this is an era of the game that can't be really compared to the time before or after it because of these reasons. So I don't think putting an aster- actual asterisk in the record book really achieves anything other than, I don't know, making some fans feel better about uh, about how the era went and probably some people who feel people across baseball feel guilty that happened, maybe feel better about it. Singling him out definitely isn't what I want to do. And I'm not even um, advocating for actually including an asterisk in like a, an official record book. I'm just saying like keeping that context in mind when you're making those comparisons, yeah. but like before you make any claims, that was more so what I was. Uh, yeah, for to. sure. I think, I think most people do understand like, Oh, this Barry Bonds, you associate Barry Bonds with steroids. It's one of the first thing you associate with him with. So I don't know. I feel like most fans get it, but at the same time, it's like he's not he's not a unique case. Besides how good he was. So the 07 All Star Game is in San Francisco. So Bonds is elected wow, to start. You know he hits, I believe, second in the order, and the place goes very happy for him. It's not booze of a controversial figure. It is kind of a last everybody cheers for Barry Bonds moment in the 07 All-Star Game in San Francisco, which goes to show how complicated the guy is, that there's a lot of players who think he's a jerk for using. He's a jerk personally. Guy who started a lot of fights, kind of owned the villain image, maybe a little too far at times. But he was received very warmly going into the All-Star Game, and that was kind of his last coronation pretty much is that event and then nothing like that ever happened again even though he more than backed up with the stats which is what you wanted to get into so please tell us how he earned that all-star game appearance sure so this was one of the most surprising things that i had learned during my experience researching for this project so barry bonds finished with 28 home runs which is pretty good for a 42 year old player Finishes with a 480 on base and a 169 OPS plus. The reason why that's so interesting to me is, would you believe me if I told you that Barry Bonds had put up MVP caliber numbers in his final season as a 42-year-old player? I feel like nobody ever talks about that. I've never Do you want to get that. into the even crazier part right away, or do you want to just finish the rest of the season? There is a crazier part of that, because well, it's not a statistical thing. There's a crazier thread of that which i guess i'll just say because you're about to make it sound more ridiculous he didn't get a job after that yeah he was signed to a one-year deal this season no i'm saying this year he he hit the agency yeah and Mm -hmm. nobody signs a 480 on base like 169 ops plus he has high 20s home runs i believe it's either 27 28 i think 28 Yeah. yeah this is still a ungodly baseball hitter regardless of age but nobody gives him a shot he says he's willing to play for the league minimum no one wants to do it and i think this is the very first time his like jerk image catches up to him that just no team wants to put up with the headache or the media or or whatever but strictly from your statistics background can you even wrap your head around those numbers not even getting a job offer of the next season no he would have been the best team, the best hitter on at least half of Major League teams. And he sued Major League Baseball for collusion against him. He lost the lawsuit eventually, but he did sue the league for that. Um, but as far as the season, as the numbers I just mentioned, the 480 on base, the 169 OPS plus, those are in fact MVP caliber numbers. So just to give a rundown, I, I'm 24 years old. I was born in 1999. No human being other than Barry Bonds had an OBP that high since I've been on this earth. This is 42-year-old Barry Bonds, the sunset of his career in his last season. Nobody since I've been alive has had an OBP that high. The, the, the highest that it's been, or the only player who has since, you have to go back to 1994. Frank Thomas, the Chicago White Sox, an OBP in the 480s. He wins the American League MVP. I think it was like 484. The more interesting part, though, is the OPS+. Plus. So 2010 is a pretty popular season for Josh Hamilton. So Josh Hamilton had a fantastic 2010 season. He won the American League MVP, most notably for his offense, right? His OPS plus was 170. Bonds in his last season was 169. Aaron Judges in the 2017 AL MVP race, he finishes runner-up 
Of course, Jose Altuve wins that award. It's a whole other controversy. We can make another five-episode series about his OPS plus. Aaron Judge, another person known primarily for his offense, was 171. And he finished second. Some argue he should have finished first in the American League MVP vote. So Barry Bonds still at age 42 is putting up MVP caliber offensive numbers. And I think that's one of the last major um, statistical accomplishments that I can really offer in this series. Where did he finish in the MVP race in 2007? He finishes, let's see, no votes. No he was placement. An all-star. Nowhere in the I mean, uh, whatever. Like the very I'm sure the controversy game. may have played a role. I don't know. Of course it did. But yeah. He he's very so. like this is an era where Bonds he almost progressively gets more standoffish with the media. There's some interviews. We'll interlace some clips right now of him like back talking the media. All you guys lied. All, All of y'all in a story or whatever have lied. lied. Should you have an asterisk behind your name? All of you lied. All of you have said something wrong. All of you have dirt. All of you. When your closet's clean, then come clean somebody else's. But clean yours first. And remember, this is the same media that votes for these awards. And it's the same media that's going to judge his future. Because that's all he's got now, which... To sort of put a bow on everything we've touched on, he's got the home run record. He's also got the walks record, which somehow slipped a lot of this, but he basically did that while sleeping in the previous episode. And it's this is it. For on the field, it just ends there. His last season, he gets the home run record. He has this incredible statistical run you were talking about, and then he never puts on a uniform again. The next episode will strictly be everything that comes after this moment, which is still enough to have this discussion because the big question from that moment on when he never stepped on a field and it was this weird dance for a little bit of is he going to come back? Is someone going to give him a chance? And once it became clear, the answer was no. Will Will he be able to be in the Hall of Fame? The guy with all this, everything we talked about, the unbelievable accomplishments, the records, the saying just the records is one thing like the words i used earlier were taking the pages out of the books and ripping them by hand that's what he was doing with with every baseball thing imaginable and now it's a question of if this guy makes the hall of fame because it's just that complicated there's just that much ethics and morality and whether or not he was a jerk to be considered and that is just like i can't i can't wrap my head around that the same way you can't wrap your head around the numbers